Hello, welcome to episode two of Curiosus Animus. I'm Scott, and today I have a fantastic guest here, Ranger Nick, uh, Pizza Pickle Spur on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. That's it. And this gentleman has uh, razzle-dazzled me a number of times in different Twitter spaces with fascinating information in the health field. And also, uh, I've come to understand he's uh, well-versed, far more than I, in rife technology or uh, spooky technology. So uh, I'll give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, sir. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to join you and hello to everybody that's uh, catching us in this conversation on a Friday evening. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a multidisciplinary investigator and that's a way of saying uh, I started into an academic track, you know, to go up into the ivory tower and uh, the, the psychology and the politics of it uh, were a reality that I just wasn't willing to compromise so I backed out and went into, you know, private industry, but I've always maintained um, a, a broad set of, of areas that I'm fascinated with. Um, and some things are by um, historical edification. Some things are by uh, design. Some things are by necessity, like things that are affecting my health will push me into uh, material that I, I wasn't familiar with. And you sort of fall through the cavern uh, into, you know, these worlds of information and insight and perspective that you don't get during that seven minute encounter with your primary care physician. So that was the big change for me as uh, going from someone who didn't really have a deep, deep, deep uh, laboratory or analytic scientific background um, to someone who now can traverse it, I can understand it. And more importantly, I find myself um, really excited about the things that have have been hidden the things that have been covered up and um i of course that just sparks the question of why how how come what was in there that uh, people couldn't have it because you know the crazy guy that walks down the street with a sandwich board sign that the end is near uh, people don't take him down with a taser they don't send the cops after him to tackle them if you're genuinely you know not of this world you you're allowed pretty much to, to wander around as long as you don't hurt yourself but when really really amazing credentialed scientists have their work um, obfuscated and then pursued and subsumed like nikola tesla as another example that really draws my attention it's it's funny you mentioned that um I had heard a story that uh, John Greenwald of Black Vault had submitted two different FOIA requests. One had the characteristics of a crazy person, well, uh, an unorthodox person with run-on sentence, run-on sentences, um, bad spelling, no punctuation, that kind of thing. And it got exactly the information he was looking for, while the one that was... Uh, classically written got nothing back it was denied so i find that pretty neat that you bring that up it's fascinating oh yeah and i i feel for people who um in their course of investigative work uh are really sort of blocked or dependent upon getting through the foia pathway uh, I haven't ever taken that. I've only ever uh, taken advantage of the the work of of previous investigators. Uh, and when it comes to talking about uh, Royal Rife and uh, electromagnetism, 
being applied to the body in a, a very simple technique to do two different treatment modalities, one of them being to, um, to attack infectious pathogens and the other being to trigger the body to release or excite and, and put into the exit pathways um, toxins that are built up in the body. That was the basis of, of Reif's investigation and many others around him who, who followed on with his work, like Dr. Hulda Clark, who continued doing microscopies and real bench in, you know, gathering data, doing actual experiments, um, applying the techniques to a variety of viruses and bacteria. Uh, and it proved to be quite illuminating uh, that there was an effective treatment there. So that was that was one of those things that I like, you know, we were saying about uh, hidden history, um, the things that Tesla began to explore about health and vibration. Um, I'm I'm actually I, there, that's a pocket where I'm not as familiar. I'd like to know. Um, I, I mean, Tesla had to have affected Rife. They had to have known of each other or in some respect. And Rife was an engineer too. Prior to getting into the energetic stuff, he engineered a new type of microscope. So this is a, you know, he was a, he was a hardcore scientist of the day. Um, and uh, it's very interesting sort of what happened. It is. Um, with the two different modalities of, of that, uh, could you expound on the uh, second one first, if you don't mind, that you had mentioned? Sure. Uh, uh, I Was that uh, toxic burden versus infectious burden? Uh, I, I believe you had mentioned uh, causing the uh, expression of toxins that had been built up. Yes, yes, yes. Toxic burden. So these are the tenets. That's the great thing about going back and, and looking at these scientists' work. It, there was no secret decoder ring. There was no big volume of their special tomes that you had to buy in order to figure it all out. They were very, very practical and straightforward with those two tenets. And the tenet that we'll go into first is about the buildup of toxins in the body. So you have a variety, you know, we have a great deal of minerals. We're composed of a lot of minerals. Um, and, and the, uh, the number of minerals that right now we have challenges with the deficits are one of those strange situations of imbalance. So uh, I'm going to go down a little side passage here to talk about vitamin D. You know, your vitamin D, everybody knows their vitamin D. We all care. We have an app for their vitamin D. It's four o'clock. Did you check your vitamin D levels? You know, everyone is, is um, for years now has been very, into how much do you take? Well, I take 10,000. Well, would you take 5,000? Um, and the root of that is because there's been a problem in the food supply. And that is the glyphosate, which is a, a chemical chelator and it atomically binds to our magnesium. And in order for your vitamin D to be uh, brought up, good to go up through the uptake pathway, you have to have magnesium to bind to it. So the glyphosate goes through and it's like a Swiffer and it just grabs your your good minerals and they pass right through your body and you can be taking handfuls of vitamin D. You can be drinking liquid vitamin D and spending all kinds of money on special, you know, all that stuff. And it'll go right through you if you don't clean up your diet. So that's one of the things about the toxins. Why I go there is because glyphosate is a key 
toxin. And there are approaches to removing toxins out of the body. So before I go into anything about what Rife and, and Clark and the others um, uh, postulated and demonstrated in many cases, um, I want to say that this technology is not a silver bullet. There's nothing about it that's going to solve, you know, the the world's energy problem or or save the whales or get rid of grandma's cancer. It is a anomaly. And quite frankly, considering that it was suppressed, and we can talk a little bit more about that, um, sort of the history of what happened to Rife's uh, intellectual property, um, even though it got stepped on, nowadays, suddenly there's energy therapies and electromagnetic therapies and sonic bed therapies. There's a whole little variety of technologies that are suddenly quite fine and approved by, you know, the FDA and the AMA and all of that. Uh, and then there are some that are the non, you know, that didn't go through the mainstream channels and they are available through European markets and Asian markets. Um, or you have to go to Mexico <laughs> to get those treatments. But coming back to toxins, um, what we're going to talk about here is generally a very simple principle. We don't, you don't need a pencil and paper. I'm not going to be, you know, sending links about this detail. It's about res. Ooh, did we lose your hair, Nick? And go. Well, we're back after some technical difficulties on my end. So, Nick, you were just about to start to talk about resonance. Absolutely. Um, there were some, uh, really, uh, I went into a side discussion about glyphosate as an example of one of those key toxins that can build up in the body. Now, some toxins are quick. Some toxins are difficult. Um, and some toxins, when they come out of their dormant state in whatever, wherever they're at in the body, in the reservoir, um, you need to, you need to think about what's going to happen to them. So, uh, the, uh, you know, a word of caution as we're starting to discuss something that really falls under sort of a therapeutic band called chelation. Um, this is, this, this show is not, uh, intended to treat, cure, or, uh, prescribe, and uh, we're talking about therapies in a historical context. And right now we're talking about the concepts of uh, toxins in the cells and the bodies. So um, thinking about resonance and, you know, when, when you think of the classic example of uh, a wine glass that you get to shatter because of a sonic resonance, um, it's, it's not that dramatic, but you're trying to get the cells to uh, react and respond. You're trying to trigger awareness of those mechanisms that will then do an exit path out of the cell. Uh, and that's where you have to be thinking about what's going to happen. Uh, with if, if you excrete a bunch of mercury that's uh, in cellular reservoirs in the body, and it suddenly becomes bioavailable mercury again, it doesn't just because you... You, because it moved out of one apartment doesn't mean it won't move right back into another. That's the that's the point. So there therein lies the 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 uh, precautionary tale about having a strategy if you're approaching uh, clearing things out of the body, and that the the frequency technologies 
uh, can be a very nice, gentle, uh, low grade or what's called a tonic therapy. So very much like people drink lemon water. Well, there's a couple significant benefits from putting a fresh organic lemon slice in your water. And we won't go into all of that, but I'm saying that's a, that is a tonic therapy. You're not going to reverse tumors with lemon water. Um, with the Rife device, when it comes to keeping the garbage, particularly you're thinking about the heavy metals and the pesticides, and I'm sorry, but I, I, I haven't explored and I don't know if there's additional benefits like microplastics. That's probably a very, very important, uh, particularly if those are uh, uh, in affecting us in the endocrine system and shifting or remodulating hormonal expression. Um, there's all kinds of reasons to fix that, you know, from mood to all sorts of more um, uh, acute or pronounced expression of dysregulating the systems. So uh, that's part of what I'm I'm trying to get at with um, this therapy being one of many in, in a good arsenal that includes all of the right things that we all know, you know, the ABCs about sleep. There are things that your brain does while you sleep that it doesn't do while we're awake. It actually compresses down like a sponge and gets much smaller. And all of your spinal fl column fluid cycles in and around the cerebellum. You didn't know this. You've had a brain inside your head all these years, and you didn't know that every night it goes through a little compression cycle. Yep. I had absolutely no idea, but it it stands to reason with everything else I've learned about compression and release or tension and release being a big part of everyday life, whether people think about it or not, everything from uh, an orgasm to music. Music is pleasant because there are moments of tension and moments of release. You know, uh, we go through cycles of life in the same very manner. Uh, it's hyper prevalent through existence, in my opinion. Well, that brain, that brain cycle fascinated me. I didn't learn about that until just a few years ago. And I really wasn't um, too uh, versed at all in anything about neuropathology, which is where I will say that's probably where I, I will draw the line in my expertise as far as making comments about things to, tonight. Um, I, I am not a, a biologist and I'm not a neurophysiologist or a neurologist, um, but what I do think I have a decent uh, understanding of is the domain of the infectious burden that we can encounter through a number of different vectors and how that can affect um, the long-term health of the brain, both in a physical form and in a neuropsychiatric form. So certain infections, and I'm not talking just about a virus, we're talking about now, like say a prion uh, is, is a seed. You know, there is no safe amount there's no like, oh yeah, I can get 16,000 cells of that and I'll be fine. Uh-uh, you shouldn't get that stuff, period. And we we exchange it. Unfortunately, I don't think it's understood that it's in the sexually transmitted domain. So people don't know that things like prionic disorders and autoimmune disorders, and unfortunately, if you don't know, cancer, many types of cancer have an infectious uh, component. And, uh, and some other, you know, some other situations are, are definitely topics that get missed when you have sex ed, 
You don't talk about progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy being the outcome, a long-term, very, very difficult, acute neuro, neurologic outcome of the JC virus. Um, you know, there's all of those relationships. So now we've already kind of slid over into infectious burden. We went from toxic burden to infectious burden. Let me just stop there before we go any further into the bugs and see what you think. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really enamored and, and it's, uh, it's a, it's very interesting. So it, when it comes to resonance as medicine, I think that a lot of people, uh, automatically categorize that as hullabaloo and don't associate it with using ultrasonic to uh, break apart kidney stones inside of people so that they're easier to pass or ultrasounds where you're looking at the fetus inside of the womb. So mm -hmm. sound in medicine is not something that is uh, extraordinary like that uh, and electric medicine also. Um, but that's, that's kind of another topic entirely. So that's, um, well, no, 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 no. I'd say, I'd say electric medicine is kind of a good, is a good gateway drug for getting people into the topic of rife because, uh, if they've had physical therapy, they had a back injury, they had a surgery and they had to repair, um, some portion of their body and they decided to opt for one of those contraction devices. Uh, I can't, I can't even think of what they're called at the top. TENS unit. Okay. Yep. Um, I, I know tens pad, but they, okay. So they're called a tens unit and you, uh, you know, it, it works. It just makes the body work automatically. You know, they can, you can think of yourself like a frog in the lab on the plate and zapping it to make it twitch. Um, it, it flexes the muscles and it does it quite scientifically and quite effectively. Um, but that's, that's, a very, very pronounced and um, specific application of a current across the body cavity. And these microbiology techniques, this rife magic, this spooky stuff is, um, is extremely, extremely subtle. And the waveforms are at very, very different uh, points on the electromagnetic spectrum. And the modulation of the waveforms can be very, very specific that, uh, as, as described by the investigators, when you look at the spooky two materials, because you can go out and get their software for free. You don't have to have the device. There's an operating system that you use when you buy that little, that little device. Let's stop right there. Do you, do you have one of these now? Or are you, or are you just investigating? I'm, I'm currently investigating and, and yeah. to be clear to anybody listening, I do not make any kind of money from this i'm not name dropping them for a reason it's just the foremost piece of equipment that i've been able to come across that's all yeah and and i i i have no conflicts of interest with any products or uh or you know devices or any of these things i i'm an, just an investigator who um, is happy to share and i and i have a number of colleagues who um from a very very skeptical neuroscientist to a very, very expansive and I'll say cross-disciplinary emergency doctor friend. Um, so, and, and everybody in between. So I don't, I don't talk about Rife with everyone, but for folks that are interested in it, we're talking about, yeah, a brand that has emerged as a leader uh, for a couple of reasons. It's accessible. It's not $20,000. Um, there's a large community of people around the world who have 
um, discovered it and continue to apply it to a variety of situations with health, cognition, uh, including pets like fleas, you know, helping deal with fleas. Um, and we were talking about uh, resonance and, uh, you know, excreting toxins from the body. And uh, we'll, before I go into the mechanics of how uh, this technology works, because it has different modes, it isn't all the same thing. Uh, I'm trying to think of a multimodal to, tool, you know, like when you've got an adaptive screwdriver that you can pull out the magnetic bit and you got the Phillips head, you got the standard head, et cetera. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's very similar to that, you know, in, in a crude analogy. But um, coming back to... Let's talk about bugs a little bit more before we get into, um, you know, this this therapy that we're we're interested in. Um, bugs as parasites or bugs, bugs as, as like I'm going to say I'm I'm not I'm yeah right. So so tonight I'm just going to assume that there might be somebody out there that doesn't know what an exosome is versus a um, RNA versus a dna virus of different classifications and morphologies there are different scales um uh versus a pleomorphic organism in a number of categorizations there are bacteria that are pleomorphic there are viruses that are pleomorphic um there's there's so many slicing and dicing and i think right now there's a bit of a renaissance argument going on with some of the biologists and and virologist about what is, you know, what is a germ? I don't think it's germ denialism, um, but I'm, I'm going to say tonight, I'm just going to say pathogen. I'll say pathogen. I know some specific names um, and I already dropped, you know, a couple of them, but this isn't about uh, rolling off all of that Latin and, and particularly things that, that might go past people. I want this to be a discussion that's practical and approachable. So, um, you know, I'll say the pathogens that we pick up come from a couple of different key areas. One of them we've already touched on, and that's sexual contact. So another is pets. And uh, and as we understand, at least, you know, as I look around uh, my part of the world, people have pets of all kinds, and they have exposures to animals of all kinds of, you know, not just walking through the pet store, but at people's homes, at schools, um, you know, in, in their activities and lives and and whatever, not just the 4-H kids. We're talking all the little exotic creepy crawlies that we get from everywhere that end up in someone's home. So there's an unknown spectrum of infectious burden. And there really aren't practical tools for us as uh, that are affordable, that are dependable, and that are comprehensive right now that I would say, yeah, go out and get this battery of tests and it's going gonna, it's gonna to screen you for everything. I've had this fascination about the Star Trek tricorder since I was a little kid. And I just assumed at some point there's going to be a magic little box that will tell you precisely what's wrong. And uh, we've made leaps and bounds, you know, I mean, <laughs> the MRI is not exactly the tricorder, but we, we've made some fantastic advances in, in medical science. But um, the point being is that we, we approach these therapies with coming back to those two basic, very simple precepts. We will accumulate a toxic burden because generally of what we eat and breathe, we will accumulate an infectious burden because of the other living beings that we interact with. That's it. 
That's as complex as their model was. And they went into, I think, more of the uh, infectious side than the, the followers that came on in the more recent years who have done work on showing how levels of metals, pesticides, et cetera, they've done a baseline test and then they do a battery of rife treatments and then they do another test and they demonstrate that there's a drop in the baseline uh, of clearing certain things out like aluminum, mercury, strontium, uh, things that are specifically toxic and uh, have a very distinct, you know, when you do whatever you're doing, if you're doing mass spectrometry or however you're, you're quantifying, um, you can get a good, clear read. It's not like uh, arguing over the genome of something. So that's, that's just sort of putting, putting a lid on that Tupperware of all of the pathogens we get exposed to. Dogs, cats, especially can also transmit toxoplasmosis. So I want to just make a cautionary tale here about anybody whose loved ones are affected by uh, pronounced or prolonged depression. Uh, toxoplasmosis uh, has an influence in, uh, in, in your psychiatry or psycho your, your neuropsychiatry of an imbalance, um, a, a bias that it, it creates it's part of its mechanism to propagate itself in the flea rat predator cycle it has this cool little dance it does i've seen some amazing speeches on toxo it's a whole phd but that's one of those things that is one of the sort of subtle you don't know that you've had a toxo exposure you might not know about it and then suddenly life changes and you might be doing the same things, eating the same food, having the same good habits or routines, whatever, but something has shifted. Um, and it might be a biological basis. A couple of other bugs, and we're not going to do big catalogs of germs, but a couple of other pathogens that are um, af affecting in the psychiatric domain are HERV type K and type W. So if people are prone to, you know, look something up or just Google something while you're sitting in a meeting or on the bus, um, look up H-E-R-V, type K and type W. And then if you pull in other key words like psychology, psychiatry, schizophrenia, depression, suicide, you'll find um, that there is a domain of infectious burden that isn't really emphasized if you've got particularly, I mean, I guess I'm really talking right now to parents, um, when you've got um, a little one who goes through more than just, uh, you know, a hormonal shift, a growing pain, a phase um, where we see something that becomes a long-term trend, I would caution you to explore the, uh, the potentials of a biological concern. And why we would even talk about that is that some of these therapies can clear them from the body, whether they're in the brain tissue, whether they're in uh, you know, the glands around the body, whether in the marrow, whatever the, whatever the cellular reservoir, the tropism for that particular type of infection, um, it, there are ways to effectively clear it out. This type of a technology has been demonstrated, and I will, I will emphasize anecdotally by eyewitness testimonies. So that's the, that's the other side of that coin of not saying it's been proven or demonstrated or shown. You can't say those things, but it has been reported anecdotally to have some very pronounced and amazing uh, effect on difficult, difficult, long-term disease states. People who turned to it 
when there was nothing else left, and others who turn to it and use it uh, quite proactively to stay ahead of the disease states that might emerge because of that infectious burden. So you get where I'm going. If you, if you have a blackberry bush, if you just go every two, three weeks and go trim off the tips of that blackberry bush, pretty soon it'll be like a hydra. It'll have 20 heads and it'll sprout in all different directions. That's the kind of encouragement that you give these latent infections over time, some of them, with ineffective pharmacology or uh, just not, not treating it at all, not diagnosing and not trying to approach it. Um, but if you go after the root of the problem, then you can sidestep and prevent the need for pharmacology A and then B, and then when that doesn't work, type C, and then it gets paired up with type D. You know, if we're talking about uh, dealing with certain types of uh, psychiatric conditions, um, approaches to balancing someone's meds. We we all know it's a. I'm very sad that that's in our human lexicon. Where I oh I'm you know he's off his meds. No, there could be a very very real biological underlying condition there that everyone ignores. And a psychiatrist and a psychologist certainly aren't going to uh, tip over their own apple cart. No no no. The psychiatrist is going to go towards the prescription pad. Um, and there's going to be a checklist of things that they uh, say, this is the measure. Well, I'm sorry, but those aren't quantitative. And I would say that um, as a responsible integrative medicine patient, I always look beyond the allopathic uh, standard of care. And I always consider what else, what other models, what other inputs, and I'm not talking about just another white coat down the street or in another wing of the hospital that gives you a second opinion. I'm talking about really exercising and stretching your approach to root cause analysis of problems, trusting the body's natural balance and systems, um, and um, not making severe adjustments. Let me just park my mouth there and see uh, see what you think of all that. I... I, I... I agree. I think that um, I think that people in general tend to become complacent with putting their faith in a system that may not in earnest have their total well-being in their sights, if that makes sense. When it comes it's, to it, yeah, yeah, definitely. like the uh, the American Medical Association and whatnot, I'm I'm aware of some of the history and the i <clears throat> the name eludes me at the moment but the document that essentially put the kibosh on the other fields of medicine that were standing equivocally up to um pharmacology and surgical uh, intervention uh prior to 1900 i want to say um uh, before then um herbalists chiropractors um uh, energy workers all kind of had a, an even keel and then this document came out that was produced by well funded by the rockefellers and since then um things have kind of steered in one direction and I, i'm guilty of this myself because i'm when my own mother got cancer she was very much into this stuff at the same time but she also chose to go see an oncologist and and get it handled that route you know and i I, I may have been unkind about my opinion on the matter, but as I learn more and look around more, Eastern medicine also has its place, not always for every situation, but it certainly does 
take a look at things from a, a different angle. And I, as I understand it, even Nikola Tesla, while he was studying uh, engineering in the West, he also had himself a guru from India and he was learning about things on the spiritual side from the other end. So I think that both spirit and science have a place on the same coin. They may be on opposite ends, but it's the same material for me. I like that. Yeah. yeah. There's some, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't like to be an anti, you know, anti-Mormon or anti-Catholic or anti-Jewish or anti-Orthodox, whatever. Um, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, uh, and I, I've traveled a little bit. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I haven't, I haven't lived overseas, um, outside of the United States. Um, but I, I've seen and have connections with cultures around the world at a, at a decent level of insight. And, um, I just think that it's, uh, important to constantly look across the aisle with respect. And, um, when, for example, when, you know, I know that I've said some, some made some pointed references tonight about white coats. I, I have some nurses and doctors and specialists who I love. I just worship them and they're wonderful and they're healers and they're scientists and they're human beings. They're fallible. They don't, they do not owe everybody, um, uh, you know, being, being protected from the ravages of the human condition. And our biology and the world, they they don't owe it to us because they have that degree to fix every problem. Um, so I I really appreciate and and uh, want to acknowledge what you just said. Um, I the the further along I get in life, the more I guess a little not startled, but just I you know I'm like hmm interesting that I'm willing to consider that an emotional or a psychological injury could well be at the root of a problem for someone. Um, I, I just think it's like, well, it's, um, it's a complex system and there are, uh, for example, there are, you know, you can, if you need to be empirical, if you've got to, if it's got to be quantifiable in a test tube or under the microscope, you could talk about the dynamic. Um, and I've heard, uh, Dr. Huberman, Dr. Andrew Huberman have some excellent conversations about these, um, these aspects of, uh, emotion and psychology and particularly stress related to hormone expression. So you're like, okay, you, you, if you need it to be empirical, yeah, feelings equals physical changes, biological changes. And those things have an effect on all kinds of um, aspects of our health. Wholeheartedly. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're in a very uncomfortable place mentally for a long period of time the chances are that physically you are not be feeling fantastic you're not going to want to get up and run two miles when you don't even want to breathe in the morning so absolutely it, it's all part of the same system as you just said um and you know we are electrical chemical beings you know people tend to forget that everything that you're using to process and what you call the real world is an interpretation of this little mass of fat and electricity up here. It is indeed. Well, so let's talk about, uh, let's get into the, the Rife device. Hmm. So um, we, we've talked about uh, the basic principles. We've gone back and restated them. We've, we've talked about some examples We've differentiated uh, some specific infectious burden that can relate to uh, psychiatric diagnoses. 
And uh, uh, also, I think it's fair and important to mention that there is a, a, a decent swarm of these little buggers that we can encounter that relate to cancer. So cancer is a complex situation. There isn't a single uh, formula or um, exact like, you know, step one, step two, step three. Uh, oncologists, biologists, uh, a great number of specialists can describe all of the processes, um, the signaling that occurs when a cell starts to grow out of control, the things that might allow that to occur. Um, but generally, what what seems to be missed in that conversation are things like the herpes virus family, which most of them are uh, are are witnesses. Yeah, it's you know I I'm as as a as a multidisciplinary investigator, which is a mouthful, which just means I will swim under the lane line. I'll go over to that lane and then I'll swim under the next lane. I'll go over the next lane. It doesn't mean I'm going to win the Olympics, you know, and I don't, I don't come to any of these discussions with, um, I, I, I try to really check, uh, ego at the door. And it's just about, let's talk about, um, history, evidence, probabilities. Um, and let's go ahead and talk about things that are, have been suppressed. Uh, or might be difficult. Cancer as an infectious situation is a very difficult aspect of public health that a lot of people don't understand. Um, if you if you need to sort of wrap your arms or your 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 hands around it, uh, think of the Gardasil product, the uh, the injection that was pushed a whole lot, really really marketed hard um, years ago. Um, uh, I don't remember, I think it was about 2006 or 2008 that it came out onto the market and it was to help protect, um, adolescents, originally girls. And then it was, uh, flipped to be recommended to everybody under a certain age to protect against encounters with four specific strains of HPV, uh, the human papillomavirus. And there are four, which if you get just one of them or two, three or four of them. It's kind of like, you know, like a, a deck of cards. You get the full house. Your probability of presenting uh, a cancer as a result of that infection goes up and up and up. And there are other cofactors. There are other things. There are, there are other epigenetic factors. There are toxicity factors. Uh, there's glyphosate. Glyphosate in the food play can play a role in your susceptibility to whether or not you have a good or a weakened defense against cancer, things like that. So that's one area that uh, as we go into this, it's why it would be good to have a therapy like this, because the device that we're talking about, since we're not streaming, we're not showing, it's not a commercial. Um, and, and again, this is, a, this is a no conflict of interest. I just love this, this product, this tool, and there are others out in the market. And there's certainly a whole, a whole lot of investigation and learning that you can do about the topics that we're sharing tonight. Um, but the Rife device has, as I said before, multiple ways, sort of think of it as the interchangeable screwdriver. It's got multiple screwdriver heads and there's the TENS pads. So think of a classic wire that goes to a sticky pad. If you've been in the hospital and you had the heart meter on, you've had a TENS pad. Um, it's got the Hulda Clark tubes. Her little zapper, Dr. Holda Clark was one of the followers of Dr. Reif. She was one of the major contributors to the work. And her device, uh, basically she relied on a single frequency set. She just thought that it was the, you know, it was the silver bullet frequency. Uh, and it certainly is broadly effective. 
Um, but sh- her her approach would be to have someone hold two simple hollow copper tubes, just like uh, three or four inches of copper tube with an alligator clip on either one. And then the, the circuit that came out of the machine would go up one arm across the chest and then down the other. Um, so those are two of the very, very basic, what are called contact modes. Uh, then we get into, as we were discussing earlier, like the wine glass trick, making the wine glass shatter because of a particular resonant frequency that matches the physical morphology, the dynamics of that glass, as well as its composition. And it gets into such a vibrational state that it destabilizes it and it shatters. So that's what we're trying to do to these bugs, to these infectious, this, this burden that we've been discussing by applying uh, these these therapies. In particular, now we're talking about a resonant therapy. This is another mode, it's called remote. And this was the one that at first I was really skeptical about. I'm like, "Mm, this is just a little bit too Disney magic for me, a little too Harry Potter, Um, but let's talk about it. It's a clamshell that makes, basically think of literally like a, a, a small envelope space. It's called a diode circuit. And you put your fingernails or your, you can do a blood sample or a saliva sample, but fingernails, toenails are the, are the easiest. And you put them inside of this little diode and it and close it up. And it applies the resonant frequencies very, very strongly to your DNA. Now, your sample is only good for about 30 days, allegedly. I do not have, you know, advanced quantitative tools, nor have I had the money or the resources to pursue that to, you know, to do some baseline tests to say, okay, let's, let's take subject A with a known set of diseases and toxic burden. Let's do a whole battery of tests on them. And then let's do everything we can with the Rife device and measure them after 30 days. That would be the kind of thing that I'd love to do as an investigator. Um, But these folks that design the frequency sets and contribute to this big open source bank, uh, you'll see uh, many of them are more talkative than me. They are quite uh, well-versed and they tie not only the relationship of the frequency that they are recommending or designing, and quite often it's a group, it's a family, because there's genetic variability within a particular pathogen. So you don't want to just get number six, you want to get one through 12. You want to get them all. So um, as they as they build these frequencies and contribute them to John White, John is kind of the, you know, the, the hub to all of the spokes. I think he's in South Africa. Uh, uh, they also include a whole lot of great information about the pathogen and its relationship to disease. So it isn't all about cancer. There are pathogens that cause and can be related to a number of other problems in the body with long-term health. So it's very, very interesting. This hasn't been um, some kind of a product that evokes a faith response or a belief response, or I hope my fingers crossed. It's quite, it's quite uh, quantitative. It's quite empirical. Um, but again, it's a tonic treatment. It is not... Uh, it doesn't fix things overnight with these low-powered treatments. Now let's talk about the weird miracle stuff. Can I interrupt I have not... real quick? Please, um, please, please jump in. When you say your sample is only good for about 30 days, what do you mean as a, a sample? Uh, the fingernails or toenails. Okay, so I think, so it is a genetic sample of the individual who is... That you're applying the treatment to. Okay. 
So it so that it's is, got a it's got a D you have a DNA frequency, which is, you know, without being able to illustrate what that means, you you know, you have a you have a DNA pattern. Think of it literally as a fingerprint. Right. And I, this I, every, this little good. diode ad, applies it to your sample and you sit nearby. Now uh, it, it means you don't have to be connected to the device. Oh. But they do just yeah, that's why it's spooky. That's why it's that's, it's called remote. Yes, that's, yes. That dips into radionics. That's another interesting topic entirely. Yes, yes, yes. Ooh, so like that's that. another mode. And uh it's good and it's bad. Here's why it's bad. It's it's a third less effective. You have to run that program three times as long to get the purported effect. The good part is you don't have to be connected to the device at all. You just put it next to you at the desk and you work and you you can set a whole big cascade of things. There's something called the terrain protocol that they recommend you do to begin with. And that that's right there. If you just pay attention to what's in the terrain protocol, if you go and get the software and download the little control panel and open it up and read the terrain protocol, you'll see that it progresses through pesticides heavy metals uh i mean it just it goes through the you know everything that we can encounter um including a very very detailed catalog of the infectious burden so that's that they recommend that you begin with that and they caution against the herxheimer effect that when like when we were talking about releasing mercury and having then you know bioavailable mercury released back out into your body uh we you know, you want to take certain steps. Like if you're doing mercury treatment, you want to have a whole lot of cilantro. You want a ton of, you just do a cilantro smoothie, just get like two big bunches of it and just put it in a juicer, a simple, like the bullet mixer and drink it. Like, uh, you know, you can put yogurt in it. You can do whatever you want. But the point is that cilantro will, uh, will chelate mercury. They will bind and help remove it from the body. That's why I was saying it's not a silver bullet. You don't just get this magic little box and then you can eat whatever you want and drink and smoke and carry on. You 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 got to be sensible about everything you're doing. And this is something this is the kind of therapy that I would say is probably very important to pair with sauna therapy. Because heat therapy is very very important about getting this stuff all the way out of the body, finishing the process of the excretory pro, you know, the excretory path. Awesome. Thank you. Where for would that. you like to go next? What, what's, what's, uh, what have we not explored in this space? Uh, well, we, let's see here. We were, uh, you're, we we're going from, I was so, uh, interested in the, how it tips into radionics a little bit there. Um, and then you you blew me away with the cilantro, which is very unfortunate for those of you out there who think it tastes like soap and have that uh, particular genetic difference. Um, yeah, you can you can pair phytonutrients. You can you can have a two pronged attack to help keep the stuff. It's about think of it like getting a hot air balloon off the ground. <laughs> Sorry, that was. I didn't, I didn't. It's no, it's very apropos. Okay. I I agree. It's good. It's good. Not a quote unquote Chinese spy balloon, but um, you, you want it to get it far far enough away to get over the border. You don't want it to just fall right back down into your own 
into your own space. So you want to get the stuff up, up and away and um, being intelligent about, you know, first of all, starting with baselines, if you're going to be serious, if you're of a certain age, I don't know that you need to do testing for a young child unless you know that there really is uh, a, you know, a concern. There's, there's expression of a behavioral change or a, a biological change that says there's been some kind of a toxic exposure beyond, you know, I, I went running through the field and I had an allergic reaction to the long grass, something like that. Um, but I, I, I think that as an adult, it's a really important step to do your baselines. And so there are a couple different, you know, general domains of testing for the more exotic substances that build up in the body. Um, one of them is hair testing. And if you've ever done hair testing, you'll know that the instructions tell you precisely where on the body you should take the sample because there are kind of old cells. There are hair, there are hair follicles that are just sort of more of like waste channels. And then there are hair cells that are going to give fresh DNA and you can read all kinds of metal toxicities uh, and pesticide toxicities from a hair sample. Um, and there's different places, different levels of, you can do alkalinity testing. But again, there are about, I think, three or four different key measures of alkalinity in, in different techniques. So getting all of those baselines when it comes back to um, how do I prepare for maybe I want to look at rife technology. I want to start um, adding and subtracting I want to add good things in my diet like cilantro that help naturally pull metals out of my body, which are only going to do good things for my brain because hello, Alzheimer and, and aluminum particulates. Come on, kids. We got to think about these things. You yes. think you do it now before you're beginning to degrade with a condition. You, you get in there and you, you do the cotton gin, you clean out those little bits. Um, so that's, that's my approach to, all of this, I think it's I think it's a wonderful uh, tool among many uh, that intersect, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, you you tend to the psychological and the emotional and the spiritual, uh, and certainly the biological. Um, but this is one of those tools that is a little more subtle. Now, there's one last area, and that's what you started out with when you were talking about the big emitters. There are two major, we'll think of this sort of as uh, sort of two different levels of treatment with this Rife device we're talking about. The the levels we've already talked about are level one. Those All those modalities um, are subtle. They're effective, but they're subtle. If you, uh, and this is where you would see maybe uh, a, a testimony from somebody who has had a major turnaround in a serious condition like cancer. And you can, you don't have to take my word for it. You can go out and find people who have had this device and had the benefit and a corrective action from using this intervention. And we're talking about, there's a big ball that looks like the high school science teacher, you know, like she blinded me with science. It looks like a plasma ball and there's a plasma wand that looks like something off the set of Star Trek, you know? And those are putting out a huge field, a measurable, very, very strong field. And I've watched um, several testimonies from people who uh, were able to have a very beneficial effect from using that therapy. And then the last one is the scalar. Now, the scalar emitter is a set of 
uh, it looks like uh, men in black suitcases. They look like professional black, like you'd expect them to be packed with guns or scientific equipment. Um, and the, one is the emitter and one is the receiver. And as they point at each other, they just you just put them several feet apart. You could put them, say, on either end of the couch, pointing at one another. They'll make a massive field and will completely envelop the body. Uh, also, the particle uh, efficiency, the, the amplitude of this particular treatment is stronger than any of the others. And again, I've seen people having serious discussions about correcting cancer and other problems using a scalar treatment. I've never had a, a condition that serious. I haven't bought that, that part of the equipment. Uh, again, it's approachable compared to what you spend on a serious, uh, any other serious course of therapy. It's the kind of thing that financially you might find having one for the family could be quite um, an excellent predictive tool. And you hopefully won't ever know how beneficial it was for you because people just keep going on and their bodily systems work, um, their excretory pathways work. Um, they they are effective at fighting off or keeping at bay any sort of long-term infectious burden that we get. Um, and it's it may be all thanks to these preventative tools that we put in, diet included, a rife therapy into included, sauna therapy included. Um, these are the spaces that for me, I think are going to be where I continue to focus over time. The um, scalar is becoming a very popular word these days uh, and um, yes. yeah it's coming out all over the place so you know uh, technology once available tends to become adapted in a multitude of different fields um, no pun intended it's the but I'm bump that was no that was good that was like a physics joke that was Mr. Data Mr. Data would have loved that joke mm. um, uh, you uh, did you know about experiments between big island and maui and transmitted electricity i do not tesla's Although, dream of wireless electricity i know that there's um there was a young guy i want to say his name he goes by like dr carter or oh he's a, he's a young gentleman and uh he he created uh his own very redneck to to be frank but mm -hmm. functional transition transmitted station and the uh you know he's transmitting through the earth and so all you need to do is build the proper receiver wound to the proper length of the wave i think it was a quarter of the length of his wave and you'd be able to receive the electricity that he was generating so uh dr parkenstein was his was what he goes by on youtube and uh the gentleman also has a a pretty eclectic uh, taste for like 1800s technology and paraphernalia. But please go on more because I have a feeling that Hawaii is probably a little bit more upscale. He's a, he's a steampunk time traveler. It sounds like, um, okay. So that's cool. I like that. Um, I have a couple of colleagues in Hawaii and I'll tell you, uh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. It's Friday night. Um, we've had a good conversation. I've enjoyed uh, getting to know you. It looks like we're kind of coming up on, uh, you know, rounding up towards the hour. Um, so uh, I'll tell you about what I, I have heard anecdotally from some residents on Maui. 
Uh, one, weird green lasers shooting off the top of Haleakala all the time. Weird green lasers. Uh, I would assume that that's going to be an advanced communication technology. I don't think they would be doing weapons, you know, something like, you know, uh, a, a say, uh, a, a focused particle wave or, you know, any kind of a weaponized wave. Um, but he said it's a big green laser and it shoots up into space. So I'm assuming it's like, hmm, is that... Um, a download station from a solar platform and they're experimenting with the transmission of wireless electricity. I believe that comports with some of the models that I've seen illustrated, right? I don't have a security clearance. I'm not working in those compartments. So that was one of the things that they've reported. Uh, what I did see uh, a good paper on was about the island to island transmission experiments. So again, this is Tesla's dream of uh, just feeding electricity to the world in a wireless format uh, and giving it away. And boy, that that sure didn't work for Edison that, and and everybody else, all of the other money grubbers back at the beginning of the, the former century. So, um, but uh, they reported that they had a good success in uh in transmitting um a consistent electric current uh in maintaining a cohesion of the waveform uh and i think the most interesting things that i read about at least in the little that i explored it was about i think atmospheric effects having a um uh, some bias on the focus they had to keep they had problems with focus staying locked now they're locked, you know, I mean, they are right there across the channel from each other. So it's a very, it's actually a good laboratory. And Haleakala, if you've been to the top, um, is, uh, it looks like the surface of the moon, literally. They could have filmed the moon landing there. It's just this big, red, dusty, barren wasteland. And so different than, um, there's these silver sword cactuses and, different you know different animals and it's like a different place than down you know the tropical you know shoreline you know that you see of the rest of maui but anyhow so that's what i heard and uh, i'm going to throw this in just for fun just because it's been a, a good conversation i have another colleague on maui and uh when i worked with him he confided in me about a very interesting chapter of his navy career now, I can tell you about this because the Department of Defense came out of the closet about this this last May when they had a long, uh, we'll say, I think it was an intelligence committee briefing with the Senate Intelligence Committee. And they talked about UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, which is just the new name for UFO. And as it turns out, there has been a 70-year cover-up. And millions and millions and millions of dollars in reverse engineered technology. Now, as much as I'd love for you to go and run and watch all the X-Files again and say, yes, it's all true. No, that was Chris Carter. You know, I don't I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you all of the realities. But I did see when we're talking about hard science and weird science, things about T. Thompson Brown um, using specialized electromagnetic bias they they purported they said that the purpose of the experiment was to do some new methods of welding and what they ended up doing was causing inadvertent phasing effects including people and objects melting and phasing into other solid objects think of the philadelphia experiment so that's a that's a real interesting if you're into history and you like science fiction 
um, turn off the Netflix and Amazon for a while and go back and dig into what really happened, um, you know, in the last 70 years. So the reason I'm bringing all of this weird stuff about UAPs and UFOs and strange history is that this colleague of mine, who I cannot name because I told him I'd keep him, keep him anonymous. His name's um, Bob, an, folks. It's Bob. His name's Bob. So Bob's yep. an older gentleman. Clearly, he worked in the Navy in the 1960s, and he worked in naval intelligence. Can you guess, Scott, what he told me that knocked my socks off that he used to do when he was an NIS officer? Uh, I would say regular interactions and briefings with people who look like us but aren't necessarily from around here. No. Excellent guess. He was one of the men in black from okay. a naval intelligence perspective. He debriefed pilots out on their carriers right after they would have encounters and give them the threat and tell them about their national security order and imprisonment and fines and don't, and you'd never happened and don't talk about it to the rest of your crew and yada, 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 yada. That was his job. He was one of those guys. And he told me about it in no uncertain terms. And to know this person, I can't tell you any more about him, but let's just say he is uh, from a business and professional and development perspective. He is in the upper 5% of the world. He is a very accomplished individual. Um, he is perfectly deadly serious and he doesn't pull your leg. And I had this weird gut feeling about getting onto this topic with him somehow one day. I don't remember how it came up. And that came tumbling out about his career in the Navy. So there you go. There's the cherry on the Sunday. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's fully in my wheelhouse. I am. Uh, I spent a, a lot of time as a young person being on the outskirts because my parents brought me up in a not necessarily traditional way in a not necessarily traditional area but mm -hmm. uh what huntsville alabama well yelm washington actually uh oh okay okay yeah there's a there's a there's a school out there called ramp the school of enlightenment that my parents used to take me to when i was very young and uh okay. oh, one could say it talks a lot about energy and anatomy and and uh the philosophies that kind of parallel like the law of one kind of stuff more or less but everybody's got their own flavor, you know? And, yeah, uh, and that's, that's about my depth of understanding of it. I mean, I think I remember some stuff from the eighties about press, but any, any time that the press had an opportunity to sort of not demonize, but clown someone who had a religious path that wasn't the mainstream Christianity. Um, just, just like a mass murderer, they just would treat them, you know, they, it was as, as an expose and it was always very lurid. Yes. And as an adult, I look at back at some of those events and I'm like, you know, it would be really nice to, to hear what happened from an inside perspective. So I get it. Well, I, I, I have a little know, bit of insight. You know what happened though, Rose, right? Like they made uh, the circuses and freak shows illegal and then they just gave that job to the media. So. Uh, well, I, we, and I'll tell you, I, we talk about history and the era of say the, like the post-war the cold war era i i mean i don't know why they call it cold it was hot they were doing some scary freaky stuff that is affecting us today it's still it still you know makes a difference in our world it's shaped our timeline oh, yeah. um, so i'm very 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 uh heartened i'm very very um appreciative of your time and and spending some time with me 
And uh, I, I wish you the very best with um, continued conversations and interesting people. And I, I um, have to have you back, Nick. I have to well, have you back. Well, um, and I think that uh, if if there's a point where we could get um, our mutual friend, you know, just uh, just get aligned and make sure it's the right timing and the right topic and all of that, um, I'm happy to have a broader conversation. Um, as you can tell, I've got I've got an Irish mouth, so oh, <laughs> it's like oh, God. I, I embrace profanity. I look at it as a a a badge of integrity and honor because you don't hear politicians curse and everybody knows they lie so i'd rather curse and tell the truth oh yeah and with the yeah. kinds of things that we're we're dealing with in our life the kind of things that you and i are having to clean up from the previous generations mm, yeah i got some choice words yes so, well all right forward please tell everybody where they can find you where you're available absolutely um i don't maintain um a hub because I am an anonymous researcher. Uh, one of the reasons for that is that a couple of the domains that I look at and talk with uh, in, in other circles about um, have brought about what I think are wet works or uh, assassinations of uh, scientists or, or eyewitnesses. So I've, I've made a commitment that in social media, I, I don't identify who I am, but I'm accessible. So I'm on Twitter and um, my handle is at pizza pickles per one r um like a cat per and um i have a space cat uh for an avatar and there's a flying cat that says pouncing on injustice and biting it so pretty easy to spot um, a good mixture of cat memes and wildlife stuff i try to stay off of the political topics i'm exhausted with throwing mud at a left candidate or a right candidate i am topical i'm dealing with topics and issues um i i love all of uh, people that i'm connected with regardless of who they want to vote for or where they want to go to church things like that so um i will try to be a, a good if you if you want to follow great if you want to just look at my timeline you'll see that i post a number of scientific um, historical items and cutting edge items because I'm connected with a pretty large circle of folks around the world. Uh, and so I share bits and pieces about health, wellness, therapies, disease, uh, getting past the disease. You know, that's really the point of it, not to fascinate on it. Um, and, and science technology. I'm a fan of all of these amazing microscopies and where electron microscopy is moving towards. I think it's just incredible about what we're, well, it's, it's eight, we're able to see processes happen in 3d in 4d over time. Um, and I'm just thrilled about that kind of stuff. So that's, that's my content and a bunch of raccoons and cats. So that's me. Uh, he also, I've noticed that Sundays you do some some health stuff too. Is that accurate? Um, yeah, I I have made it a habit, and thank you for bringing that up. Of joining uh, Apothecarol, and you can find her on Twitter at Apothecarol, like Apothecarium, but her name is Carol with a C, so it's Apothecarol, and she holds a space every Sunday morning. And I've just made it a habit to jump in. There's just a great mix of people. Uh, there's a mix of uh, frontline practitioners 
and then it's balanced out by more say there's there's a there's a phar pharmacology scientist in there there's a neuroscientist who comes in there's uh, emergency doctors there's a lot of nurses so it's a space where there's been a whole lot of truth for a while since i know there's just sort of recently been the, the floodgates they've allowed us to criticize what's been happening for three years um, but Carol's space has been fantastic for that. So she brings people in and has a topical focus each week. She is uh, both a caregiver and she coaches people to stay ahead of health problems. That's what she calls a client is someone who helps. She helps you with your whole plan. So I just love her. And I hang out with Carol on Sundays. And then uh, on occasion, uh, based on how many fish are biting, how many people want to join, I hold um, a private Zoom similar to this. And um, I talk about biowarfare history starting in the 1950s, and it covers several of the things we touched on tonight, including cancer and HIV. Awesome stuff, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I look forward to having some more conversations in the future with you on this stuff, either here or somewhere else, because it's, you know, I, I always appreciate people with a different set of knowledge and skills than I do. And when they let me pick their brain, it's a, a total bonus. So thank you. Well, next time I'll let you get a word in edgewise. Yeah, it's, it's gold. It's gold all the way around. Awesome. Thank, well, thank cheers. you, both of you. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, everybody watching or listening for giving us your time. I hope you've learned something and expanded your mental horizons. Have a great day.